0: Book Fifth Chapter Two of The Wings of the Dove. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Wings of the Dove by Henry James. Book Fifth Chapter Two. A prime reason, we must add, why sundry impressions were not to be fully present to the girl till later on, was that they yielded at this stage, with an effect of sharp suppression, to a detached quarter of an hour, her only one with Lord Mark. Have you seen the picture in the house, the beautiful one that's so like you? He was asking that as he stood before her having come up at last with his smooth intimation that any wire he had pulled and yet wanted not to remind her of—wasn't quite a reason for his having no joy at all. "'I've been through rooms, and I've seen pictures. But if I'm like anything so beautiful as most of them seem to me—it needed in short for Milly some evidence which he only wanted to supply. She was the image of the wonderful Bronzino— which she must have a look at on every ground. He had thus called her off, and led her away, the more easily that the house within was above all what had already drawn round her its mystic circle. Their progress, meanwhile, was not of the straightest. It was an advance without haste, through innumerable natural pauses and soft concussions, determined for the most part by the appearance before them of ladies and gentlemen singly in couples in clusters who brought them to a stand with an inveterate i say mark what they said she never quite made out it was their also domestically knowing him and his knowing them that mainly struck her while her impression for the rest was but a fellow strollers more vaguely afloat than themselves supernumeraries mostly a little battered whether as jaunty males or as ostensibly elegant women they might have been moving a good deal by a momentum that had begun far back but they were still brave and personable still warranted for continuance as long again and they gave her in especial collectively a sense of pleasant voices pleasanter than those of actors, of friendly, empty words and kind lingering eyes, that took somehow pardonable liberties. The lingering eyes looked her over, the lingering eyes were what went, in almost confessed simplicity, with a pointless, I say, Mark, and what was really most flagrant of all was that, as a pleasant matter of course, if she didn't mind, he seemed to suggest their letting people, poor dear things, have the benefit of her. The odd part was that he made her herself believe, for amusement, in the benefit measured by him in mere manner, for wonderful of a truth, was, as a means of expression, his slightness of emphasis, that her present good nature conferred. It was, as she could easily see, a mild common carnival of good nature, a mass of London people together, of sorts and sorts, but who mainly knew each other, and who, in their way, did, no doubt, confess to curiosity. It had gone round that she was there. Questions about her would be passing. The easiest thing was to run the gauntlet with him just as the easiest thing was in fact to trust him generally couldn't she know for herself passively how little harm they meant her to that extent that it made no difference whether or not he introduced them the strangest thing of all for milly was perhaps the uplifted assurance and indifference with which she could simply give back the particular bland stare that appeared in such cases to mark civilization at its highest. It was so little her fault, this oddity of what had gone round about her, that to accept it without question might be as good a way as another of feeling life. It was inevitable to supply the probable description, that of the awfully rich young American who was so queer to behold, but nice, by all accounts, to know and she had really but one instant of speculation as to fables or fantasies perchance originally launched. She asked herself once only if Susie could, inconceivably, have been blatant about her, for the question on the spot was really blown away for ever. She had from the first hour the conviction of her being precisely the person in the world, least possibly a trumpeter, so it wasn't their fault it wasn't their fault and anything might happen that would and everything now again melted together and kind eyes were always kind eyes if it were never to be worse than that she got with her companion into the house they brushed beneficently past all their accidents the bronzina was it appeared deep within and the long afternoon light lingered for them on patches of old colour and waylaid them as they went in nooks and opening vistas. It was all the while for Milly as if Lord Mark had really had something other than this spoken pretext in view, as if there were something he wanted to say to her, and were only, consciously, yet not awkwardly, just delicately hanging fire. At the same time, it was as if the thing had practically been said by the moment they came in sight of the picture, since what it appeared to mount to was do let a fellow who isn't a fool take care of you a little the thing somehow with the aid of the bronsino was done it hadn't seemed to matter to her before if he were a fool or no but now just where they were she liked his not being and it was all moreover none the worse for coming back to something of the same sound as mrs Loder's so recent reminder She too wished to take care of her, and wasn't it a peu près what all the people with the kind eyes were wishing? Once more things melted together, the beauty and the history and the facility and the splendid midsummer glow. It was a sort of magnificent maximum, the pink dawn of an apotheosis, coming so curiously soon. What in fact befell was As she afterwards made out, it was Lord Mark who said nothing in particular. It wasn't she herself who said all. She couldn't help that. It came, and the reason it came was that she found herself for the first moment looking at the mysterious portrait through tears. Perhaps it was her tears that made it just then so strange and fair, as wonderful as he had said, the face of a young woman. All splendidly drawn down to the hands and splendidly dressed, a face almost livid in hue, yet handsome in sadness and crowned with a mass of hair, rolled back and high, that must before fading with time have had a family resemblance to her own. The lady in question, at all events with her slightly Michelangelesque squareness, her eyes of other days, her full lips, her long neck, her recorded jewels, her brocaded and wasted reds, was a very great personage, only unaccompanied by a joy. And she was dead, dead, dead. Milly recognised her exactly in words that had nothing to do with her. I shall never be better than this. He smiled for her at the portrait. Then she? you'd scarce need to be better for surely that's well enough but you are one feels as it happens better because splendid as she is one doubts if she was good he hadn't understood she was before the picture but she had turned to him and she didn't care if for the minute he noticed her tears it was probably as good a moment as she should ever have with him It was perhaps as good a moment as she should have with anyone, or have in any connection whatever. I mean that everything this afternoon has been too beautiful, and that perhaps everything together will never be so right again. I'm very glad, therefore, you've been a part of it. Though he still didn't understand her, he was as nice as if he had. He didn't ask, for instance and that was just a part of his looking after her. He simply protected her now from herself, and there was a world of practice in it. Oh, we must talk about these things. As they had already done that, she knew as much as she ever would, and she was shaking her head at her pale sister the next moment with a world on her side of slowness. I wish I could see the resemblance— of course her complexion's green she laughed but mine's several shades greener it's down to the very hands said Lord Mark her hands are large milly went on but mine are larger mine are huge oh you go her all round one better which is just what I said but you're a pair you must surely catch it he added as if it were important to his character as a serious man not to appear to have invented his plea, I don't know one never knows one'self. It's a funny fancy, and I don't imagine it would have occurred. I see it has occurred. He had already taken her up. she had her back as she faced the picture to one of the doors of the room, which was open, and on her turning as he spoke, she saw that they were in the presence of three other persons also as appeared interested inquiries. Kate Croy was one of these. Lord Mark had just become aware of her, and she, all arrested, had immediately seen and made the best of it, that she was far from being first in the field. She had brought a lady and a gentleman to whom she wished to show what Lord Mark was showing Millie, and he took her straight away as a reinforcement. Kate herself had spoken, however before he had time to tell her so. You had noticed, too? She smiled at him without looking at Milly. Then I'm not original, which one always hopes one has been. But the likeness is so great. And now she looked at Milly, for whom again it was all round indeed, kind, kind eyes. Yes, there you are, my dear, if you want to know. And you're superb. She took now but a glance at the picture, though it was enough to make her question to her friend not too straight. "'Isn't she superb?' "'I brought Miss Teal, Lord Mark explained to the latter, quite of my own bat. "'I wanted Lady Aldershaw,' Kate continued to Milly "'to see for herself.' "'Le grand esprit se laughed her attendant gentleman." a high but slightly stooping shambling and wavering person who represented urbanity by the liberal aid of certain prominent front teeth and whom milly vaguely took for some sort of great man lady Aldershaw meanwhile looked at milly quite as if milly had been the bronzino and the bronzini only milly superb superb of course i had noticed you it is wonderful, she went on with her back to the picture, but with some other eagerness which Milly felt gathering, felt directing her motions now. It was enough. They were introduced, and she was saying, I wonder if you could give us the pleasure of coming. She wasn't fresh, for she wasn't young, even though she denied at every pore that she was old. But she was vivid and much bejewelled for the midsummer daylight, and she was all in the palest pinks and blues. She didn't think at this pass that she could come anywhere. Milly didn't, and she already knew that somehow Lord Mark was saving her from the question. He had interposed, taking the words out of the lady's mouth and not caring at all if the lady minded. That was clearly the right way to treat her. At least for him, as she had only dropped smiling and then turned away with him. She had been dealt with. It would have done an enemy good. The gentleman still stood a little helpless, addressing himself to the intention of urbanity as if it were a large loud whistle. He had been sighing sympathy, in his way, while the lady made her overture, and Milly had, in this light, soon arrived at their identity they were lord and lady aldershaw and the wife was the clever one a minute or two later the situation had changed and she knew it afterwards to have been by the subtle operation of kate she was herself saying that she was afraid she must go now if susie could be found but she was sitting down on the nearest seat to say it the prospect through open doors stretched before her into other rooms down the vista of which Lord Mark was strolling with Lady Aldershaw, who, close to him and much intent, seemed to show from behind as peculiarly expert. Lord Aldershaw, for his part, had been left in the middle of the room, while Kate, with her back to him, was standing before her with much sweetness of manner. The sweetness was all for her. She had the sense of the poor gentleman's having somehow been handled as lord mark had handled his wife he dangled there he shambled a little then he bethought himself of the bronzino before which with his eyeglass he hovered. it drew from him an odd vague sound not fully distinct from a grunt and a most remarkable which lighted kate's face with amusement the next moment he had creaked away over polished floors after the others and milly was feeling as if she had been rude but lord aldershaw was in every way a detail and kate was saying to her that she hoped she wasn't ill thus it was that aloft there in the great gilded historic chamber and the presence of the pale personage on the wall whose eyes all the while seemed engaged with her own she found herself suddenly sunk in something quite intimate and humble and to which these grandeurs were strange enough witnesses. It had come up in the form in which she had to accept it, all suddenly, and nothing about it at the same time, was more marked than that she had in a manner plunged into it to escape from something else. Something else, from her first vision of her friend's appearance three minutes before, had been present to her even through the call made by the others on her attention something that was perversely there she was more and more uncomfortable finding at least for the first moments and by some spring of its own with every renewal of their meeting is it the way she looks to him she asked herself the perversity being how she kept in remembrance that kate was known to him It wasn't a fault in Kate, nor in him, assuredly. And she had a horror, being generous and tender, of treating either of them as if it had been. To Dench himself she couldn't make it up. He was too far away. But her secondary impulse was to make it up to Kate. She did so now with a strange soft energy, the impulse immediately acting will you render me to-morrow a great service any service dear child in the world but it's a secret one nobody must know i must be wicked and false about it then i am your woman kate smiled for that's the kind of thing i love do let us do something bad you're impossibly without sin you know Milly's eyes on this remained a little with their companions. "'Ah! I shan't perhaps come up to your idea. It's only to deceive Susan Shepherd. "'Oh!' said Kate, as if this were indeed mild. "'But thoroughly, as thoroughly as I can.' "'And for cheating,' Kate asked, "'my powers will contribute? Well, I'll do my best for you.' In accordance with which it was presently settled between them, that Milly should have the aid and comfort of her presence for a visit to Sir Luke Strett, Kate had needed a minute for enlightenment, and it was quite grand for her comrade that this name should have said nothing to her. To Milly herself it had for some days been secretly saying much. The personage in question was, as she explained, the greatest of medical lights if she had got hold as she believed, and she had used to this end the wisdom of the serpent, of the right, the special man. She had written to him three days before, and he had named her an hour, eleven-twenty. Only it had come to her on the eve that she couldn't go alone. Her maid, on the other hand, wasn't good enough, and Susie was too good. Kate had listened above all with high indulgence, and i am betwixt and between happy thought too good for what milly thought why to be worried if it's nothing and to be still more worried i mean before she need be if it isn't kate fixed her with deep eyes what in the world is the matter with you it had inevitably a sound of impatience as if it had been a challenge really to produce something so that Milly felt her for the moment only as a much older person, standing above her a little, doubting the imagined ailments, suspecting the easy complaints of ignorant youth. It someone checked her further, that the matter with her was what exactly as yet she wanted knowledge about, and she immediately declared, for conciliation, that if she were merely fanciful, Kate would see her put to shame. Kate vividly uttered, in return, the hope that, since she could come out and be so charming, could so universally dazzle an interest, she wasn't all the while in distress or in anxiety, didn't believe herself to be in any degree seriously menaced. Well, I want to make out, to make out. That was all that this consistently produced, to which Kate made clear answer. "'Ah, then let us, by all means.' "'I thought,' Milly said, "'you'd like to help me, "'but I must ask you, please, "'for the promise of absolute silence.' "'And uh, how, if you are ill, "'can your friends remain in ignorance?' "'Well, if I am, "'it must, of course, finally come out, "'but I can go for a long time.' Millie spoke with her eyes again on her painted sisters, almost as if under their suggestion. She still sat there before Kate, yet not without a light in her face. That will be one of my advantages. I think I could die without its being noticed. You're an extraordinary young woman, her friend, visibly held by her, declared at last. What a remarkable time to talk of such things! Well, we won't talk precisely. Milly got herself together again. I only wanted to make sure of you. Here, in the midst of— But Kate could only sigh for wonder, almost visibly too for pity. It made a moment during which her companion waited on her word, partly as if from a yearning, shy but deep to have her case put to her just as kate was struck by it partly as if the hint of pity were already giving a sense of her whimsical shot with lord mark at mrs lowder's first dinner exactly this the handsome girl's compassionate manner her friendly descent from her own strength was what she had then foretold she took kate up as if positively for the deeper taste of it here in the midst of what of everything there is nothing you can't have there is nothing you can't do so mrs Loder tells me it just kept kate's eyes fixed as possibly for more of that then however without waiting she went on we all adore you you're wonderful you dear things milly laughed no it is you and kate seemed struck with the real interest of it "'In three weeks—' Milly kept it up. "'Never were people on such terms, all the more reason,' she added, "'that I shouldn't needlessly torment you.' "'But me? What becomes of me?' said Kate. "'Well, you,' Milly thought, "'if there's anything to bear, you'll bear it.' "'But I won't bear it,' said Kate Croy. "'Oh, yes, you will, all the same.' you'll pity me awfully but you'll help me very much and i absolutely trust you so there we are there they were then since kate had sought to take it but there milly felt she herself in particular was for it was just at the point at which she had wished to arrive she had wanted to prove to herself that she didn't horribly blame her friend for any reserve and what better proof could there be Than this quite special confidence. If she decided to show Kate that she really believed Kate liked her, how could she show it more than by asking her help? End of book fifth, chapter two, read by Lars Rolander.